In today's brief, we'll talk about disrupted logistics, Euromaidan, and Russia's link to terrorism in Israel. I'm Linnea, and today is Sunday, October 15th, 2023. You're listening to the Ukraine War Brief podcast, where we bring you up to speed on the war in Ukraine in about 20 minutes or less. Before we get started, thank you for your patience. I lost my voice completely on Friday, so we're just doing a quick update on Thursday and Friday's news before we do our weekend in review tomorrow. Also, we exceeded our fundraising goal and delivered 120 pillows to the military hospital yesterday. Thank you so, so much to everyone who contributed. Let's move on to the news from the front. The General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian losses on Thursday included 21 tanks, 49 armored combat vehicles, or ACVs, 44 artillery systems, one anti-aircraft system, 17 unmanned aerial vehicles, called UAVs or drones, and an absolutely shocking 1,030 personnel. Russian losses on Friday included nine tanks, 24 ACVs, 26 artillery systems, one anti-aircraft system, and 970 personnel. Losing 2,000 personnel over two days is absurd and obviously completely unsustainable. Russian reporting on their own personnel losses has been intentionally vague, but according to a high-ranking NATO source speaking to Ukrainska Pravda, quote, The Russians are suffering heavy losses, and we know this. We know for sure that the Russians suffer significantly more losses than the Ukrainians. Therefore, we believe that we are approaching the figure of about 300,000 Russian soldiers and mercenaries who have died since the invasion in February 2022, end quote. The official added that Russia has lost more than 1,800 officers in that time. In the eastern theater of operations, things continue to be difficult for Russia around Avdiivka. Colonel Oleksandr Stupun, spokesperson for the defense forces of the Tavria Front, believes that Russia sees Avdiivka as an opportunity for a symbolic victory that could, quote, turn the tides of hostilities, end quote. He added that, quote, the occupation or encirclement of Avdiivka for them is perhaps the only thing they can achieve at this stage. Therefore, the enemy continues offensive actions. End quote. The Institute for the Study of War, or ISW, reported that geolocated footage indicates that Russian forces have likely lost at least a battalion's worth of armored vehicles in their offensive, with Ukrainian sources estimating Russia has lost at least 36 armored vehicles including tanks, ACVs, and transport vehicles, just in the last few days, just around Avdiivka. Video footage published on the 11th purportedly shows a Russian armored vehicle in a column near Avdiivka simply falling into a body of water, and geolocated footage published on the 11th and 12th shows a Russian vehicle column being hit by Ukrainian forces. According to the ISW, Russian forces have captured about four and a half square kilometers of territory from different directions around Avdiivka since they launched their offensive on October 10th, but have not secured any major breakthroughs and are unlikely to immediately cut off Ukrainian forces in the city. The ISW also assessed that Russian forces are a little more than three kilometers away from the Ukrainian ground line of communication called a G-Log, that's a supply line, along the 0562 highway, and just over five kilometers away from the northern boundary of Avdiivka. 
The ISW notes that any Russian claims of advances beyond that are likely overstated. On the Black Sea, a Russian Project 22160 patrol ship, the Pavel de Javin, was destroyed near Sevastopol in occupied Crimea, or Krim, on October 11th. Another Black Sea fleet ship, a small Buyan M missile carrier, was also damaged in a similar attack. Ukraine's navy, in conjunction with the intelligence services, used unmanned surface vessels, or USVs, those are sea drones, known as sea babies, that carried experimental weapons. In the temporarily occupied territories, the highway bridge connecting Horlivka, Yasinovata, and the city of Donetsk, in Donetsk Oblast, was destroyed, disrupting Russian logistics operations between Horlivka and Donetsk, and hindering their major offensive operation around Avdiivka, just to the northwest. Ukrainian Special Operations Forces reported that a unit of the force's so-called resistance movement blew up a Russian train carrying ammunition and fuel for the Russian military from Crimea in occupied Melitopol early Thursday morning. The National Resistance Center reported that 150 meters of railway and a locomotive were damaged in the explosion. On the home front, a recent poll by the Rozumkov Center showed that the majority of Ukrainians oppose holding nationwide elections while the war is still ongoing, with only 15% of respondents indicating a positive attitude towards elections next year. 64% rejected the idea outright, citing the lack of available funding and inability for those in occupied areas to vote. Russian forces shelled a high school in Nikopol in Dnipropetrovsk Oblast on the afternoon of the 11th killing four and injuring two. A Russian sabotage and reconnaissance group attempted to cross the border into Sume Oblast, reportedly intending to reach one of the critical civil infrastructure facilities in the area, according to commander of the Joint Forces of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, Lieutenant General Serhii Naev. He added that the group was met with Ukrainian artillery and mortar and retreated back across the border. Six police officers of a company of the Berkut riot police have been indicted for direct involvement in the mass shootings of Euromaidan activists on February 20, 2014. An investigation carried out by the Ukrainian State Bureau of Investigations and the Office of the Prosecutor General established that the indicted officers used their service weapons, smoothbore and automatic firearms loaded with live ammunition, to shoot protesters on Institutska Street in Kyiv which resulted in the deaths of 48 protesters and injured another 90 protesters. In news worldwide, the International Olympic Committee, or IOC, suspended the Russian Olympic Committee effective immediately, stating on October 12th, quote, The unilateral decision taken by the Russian Olympic Committee on the 5th of October 2023 to include, as its members, the regional sports organizations which are under the authority of the National Olympic Committee or NOC of Ukraine, namely Donetsk, Kherson, Luhansk, and Zaporizhia, constitutes a breach of the Olympic Charter because it violates the territorial integrity of the NOC of Ukraine as recognized by the IOC in accordance with the Olympic Charter. End quote. So that's nice. The Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, or PACE, adopted a resolution today declaring Russia a dictatorship, 
calling on those in the international community to consider current Russian president-slash-dictator Vladimir Putin's presidency illegitimate once his term ends in 2024, and urging members to stop all contact with Putin, quote, except for humanitarian contact and in the pursuit of peace, end quote. During a visit to NATO headquarters in Brussels, United States Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin assured that the U.S. will be able to provide all necessary military assistance to Israel and Ukraine at the same time, saying, quote, We can and will stand by Israel even as we stand by Ukraine. The United States can walk and chew gum at the same time. End quote. In a recent interview with Ukrainska Pravda, Kirillo Budanov, head of the main directorate of intelligence of the Ministry of Defense of Ukraine, dished some dirt on Russia's involvement in the terrorist attack committed by Hamas in Israel. Budanov mentioned the previously exposed plot to make it appear as though Ukraine had sold Western weapons to Hamas, but he also mentioned a few more direct actions. First, a few weeks ago, a Russian satellite over Lebanon began to transmit in Arabic. Quote, in an absolutely propagandist style with clear Russian narratives. End quote. Second, a Russian spy satellite capable of conducting electronic reconnaissance and intercepting satellite signals was moved to the geostationary orbit over Israel. You may remember that there was an official visit of the Russian military delegation to Iran from September 22nd to 24th, and we know that there were several requests from Iran including concerning the expansion of intelligence capabilities. When asked how events in Israel would affect the war in Ukraine, Budanov replied that it could present some problems if the situation drags on beyond a few weeks. Budanov was also asked if we are approaching a world war, to which he responded, quote, This is my subjective assessment. In terms of geography, we see several conflicts that at first glance seem regional, except for Ukraine, but they are all interconnected by the same countries, which are involved in these processes. So, yes, I think we are fast approaching a global war. End quote. Let's talk military tech. Lithuanian Minister of National Defense Arvidas Anushauskas announced a new military aid package for Ukraine, including NASM's anti-air missile launchers, saying that the package will be delivered in the near future as well as 155mm ammunition purchased in collaboration with other EU member states, and power generators to help support Ukraine through the cold season. Anusauskas also stated that mine clearance equipment is a priority, and, quote, we intend to commit a significant portion of our financial resources for this purpose, end quote. Dutch F-16s will be headed to the new training center in Romania within the next few weeks, according to outgoing Minister of Defense Kaisa Ollengren, which will enable the center to begin training pilots. That's the brief for today. Remember to check your sources and don't fall for propaganda. Join us on YouTube and TikTok for more Ukraine content and live news reports. And if you haven't already, please consider subscribing to our work on Substack. We'll be back tomorrow with our Weekend in Review episode. Until then, stay safe, everyone. Do pobacenia.